We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I'm your host today, Jared Timms, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime, Nate Green. Nate, how you doing? I'm doing well, Jared. How about you, buddy? Day in paradise, Nate. Day in paradise. Baseball, unfortunately. I'm not counting it. Probably. Um, but okay, jokes aside, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They're a major league ball club. Um, sort of, sort of. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, good. We're, we're rolling. We're doing good here. You know, so baseball. You know, yes, baseball. I got I'm excited. I'm excited to pick up from where we left off. Yes, yes, that's very good. If you haven't listened to part one that came out uh, Tuesday, July the fifth, uh, go ahead and go listen to that first. This one will make a little bit more sense. Um, we're gonna break down the other half. We're gonna break down management. Um, coaches coaching staff and also we're gonna break Players. down a little bit of player action and i think we're if we have some time we're gonna jump into what we would do i know a lot of fans probably already know what we're gonna talk about um we've mentioned it before we're gonna bring it up again but i think we have a pretty good plan of how to make the angels a winning ball club uh, but first uh first off i got two things to talk about here um number one uh, MLB Pipeline came out with their top 100 prospect list. 29 teams are in it, minus the Angels. Are you surprised now that you are getting into minor league baseball a little bit more? Absolutely not. The only guy that you could argue, there's only one. One. All right, one and a half. I give you one and a half, but it's that half's not. That's what. There's a reason why that's a half. So go I on. Get, I would give one, and that's just because Kai Bush has pitched so well. That is the only guy that could even be mentioned in this list. I don't think that he's in this list quite yet. Um, I think he's still got some room to grow, still some things to do, and just really not enough hype around him to put him in this top 100 list. Part of the top 100 list is the hype around you as a prospect, and I don't think that Kai Bush really has that hype as much as you know some of the other guys who are on this list. Working on it, though. We're working on it. We're oh, absolutely. Him some hype, but... Um... But yeah, um, thinking about this now, the Angels could very well, if they developed right, and if they developed, they didn't promote guys early, they could very well have three guys in the top 100. Because let's be fair, like Detmers, Detmers was ready, but you know, you eh, eh. Adele 
probably not ready in 2020. It would have been nice to see him. He's playing some good minor league baseball, but it would have been nice to see him uh, take some better steps in, in the minor leagues. And, and kind of, I, think, I think we're kind of seeing the the downfall of that right now, though I think that he's going to be fine. I don't, I'm not too worried about Adele. Um, and then Marsh has been fine in the outfield. Uh, I would like to see the strikeouts jump down a little bit. Um, that's an approach thing. I think we'll talk about that on the coaching side of things. So uh, the Angels could very well, if you think about it, have a few guys there if they didn't promote early, if they didn't do a couple things, if they weren't needed to go uh, push their players in a sense. Um, I know we've, we've kind of talked about that off the record. I don't think we've talked about it on the record as much. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, going back to the one and a half, uh, Kai Bush is my, my number one prospect at the mm-hmm. moment in the Angels system. Um, it's not, it's, it's not really even close. Uh, no. He jumped ahead of, he jumped up. I, I had him at number two, I think, to start the season off because I was that impressed by uh, the reports that were coming out. And then, you know, seeing him in double A, it was like, it's too easy. Uh, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think he's in a little bit ready right now. I don't want to push him, though. Um, there's no need to at the moment, though. My plan, I think, is get him up as quickly as possible to get him some major league service time. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. And then my half is Jordan Adams. Absolutely love the kid. Um, he's my, my guy. He's my guy. Was- and he's raking out of his mind now that he's he's finally hitting in a place where you can actually hit the baseball, which is nice for him to be in double A. And he's showing the signs of being a very good player. But I think he just kind of got unlucky with when the timing of – the pipeline come out because, you know, if Adams had been called up a month ago and he had been doing this for a month, he might be number 95. That's, because- that, and, and this exact reason is why Jeremiah Jackson didn't go, didn't go to tri city. Yep. Uh, this is why we've been calling for Jordan Adams to get uh, yes. called up. And this is also why I am not one bit worried about Kyron Paris. Who's hitting like one ninety in, in yeah, tri city. It's, it's so hard to hit there. I talked but to yeah. actually, um, talked with uh, I, I feel like I can say I talked with Connor Higgins the other day um, he's he's down there and he uh, I was like I was like I've heard I haven't been but I've heard the ball doesn't doesn't fly and he's like um, I was like it's probably good for you you know as, as a pitcher and he's like yeah you know it, it the ball dies at Tri-City it really does uh, anywhere else it's 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 good hitting but Tri-City is it's where uh, hitters go to die um, so I mean that's that's as good as it like that's as I mean, it's coming from a player there yep. that's, uh, <laughs> that, that's pitching there right now. So, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. If Jordan Adams had been in, in double A starting the beginning of June and got to play all of June and, yep. you know, you look up, he's sitting three, three thirty. We're probably talking, we're probably talking first off number one prospect in the angel yep. system. hundred um, percent. And we're and second off. We're probably, we're definitely talking a top 100 prospect. Yeah. So I think he's in that 90 range, honestly, between 90 and a hundred. So he, he will be there. There are some guys who are going to graduate here in the next uh, couple of weeks, maybe a month or so. And if he continues to hit, then I wouldn't be shocked to see his name on this list. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say, I'll say it now, like my mid season top 100, is going to be Bush and Adams. Um, kind of how it's been Bachman will be three uh though if Bachman comes back and you see the upper 90s see the good slider like I know he's a reliever but like those two pitches it's 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 it with what the Angels have it's top one worthy like he's ends up being the best prospect in the Angels system um he has to come back he has to come back healthy so there's that um second thing I want to talk about was uh, Noah Syndergaard, you see his fastball percentage uh, after a lot his of, start. A on lot Tuesday. of sliders, a lot of sliders in the in the game on Tuesday. 
threw nine four seams. I think he threw 19 sinkers. So <laughs> combine those together. Um, 70, 73 pitches, I think is what it was, but not a lot of fastballs. Which I is thought really it was crazy. 92 pitches. Was it 92? I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, predominantly slider. Um, still hasn't really found Mr. 98 to 101. Um, I think what you're seeing from him this year, and it's, it's a shame that he probably will not be in an Angels uniform next year because you see kind of the jump that guys make after learning how to pitch again. You know, CC Sabathia, it took him a full year to kind of reinvent himself from being upper nines to, hey, I throw low to mid nines, but I've got to use some other pitches. Um, Justin Verlander, same thing, went from being upper nines every single start to mid nines. And he went from being everyone going, ooh, four or five ERA, like, is this guy done? To I'm going to win one, possibly two Cy Youngs age 33 plus, which is ridiculous. So uh, I think Syndergaard's really trying to figure out his new mix of pitches and how to compete without throwing 101. So I think he's, he's figuring out well. Hopefully um, he continues to pitch well. I think he could be a big, big boost for a, a team trying to get one more arm to make the playoffs. You know, he could be a number three or number four in a, a postseason roster uh, postseason starting rotation. So if he continues to pitch well, the Angels might be able to make him more available and he might jump Jose Quintana on probably the number one rental pitcher. When I say rental pitcher, I'm not counting Tyler Malley, Luis Castillo, Frankie Montas. I'm talking about a guy who's got a half year left on his contract. So Jose Quintana is probably the number one guy on that list right now. Uh, but if Syndergaard keeps pitching well, he he easily could jump up there and you're going to have teams like the Red Sox, possibly the White Sox, and um, maybe even maybe even a team like the Braves or or the Mets or somebody like that interested in him. So there, there's a lot of possibilities if he continues to pitch well and uh, continues to learn how to pitch with 95 instead of 101. Yep, and uh, everybody's looking for pitching this time of the year. So uh, Angels, more than likely, I would assume, are sellers. Um, you never know, though, if they rattle off 10 games in a row or something like that. It doesn't look like they will, but you never know. You never know. Um, you already know what's going to happen. They're, they're going to they're gonna do just enough to, to create hope. They're not really going to be in it, but they're going to convince themselves they're in it. They're going to trade for, you know, a backup third baseman and call it good, and they'll finish 82 and 80, 75 and 84, and we'll be looking like, man, why, why didn't we sell? This is the uh, ninth, ninth year in a row that we've been in this situation and continue to not really buy but not really sell, and that is why we have no prospects, and that's why we don't get better. So, I hate that, I hate that you're making me look at this. You go uh, Miami uh, today when this podcast comes out. You go four against Baltimore, which Baltimore has been fine this year. We knew they were going to be Baltimore's interesting. Um, two and one against the Angels this year. Yeah, you go Houston, who we've talked we talked about Houston, Houston absolutely. Houston, and then the Dodgers, who we mentioned. Well, only two with them, correct? Yeah, only two. Okay. Uh, then you go to Atlanta, form, uh, last year's World Series champs, KC, who again, another team we like, and Texas. So plenty of games to win there. Um, and then going into August, you go Oakland, Seattle, Oakland. Um, so I, it, it does get easier for the Angels, but you got to start winning games uh, regardless. Reminder, trade deadline is August 2nd, I believe, this year. Not the typical July 31st. They moved it. It is now a roaming trade deadline based on when MLB yeah. 
finds the best day possible where, you know, it's not a lot of day games and they can kind of allow GMs to make moves. And so you're not having guys get traded mid game. So interesting. I think that's of note too. It gives teams another two days to, to make a decision. Um, which honestly, if you look at the angels from, you know, three years ago, if they had two extra days to make a decision, they're probably sellers rather than buyers because they were, I think like eight games out, they lose two to start August and then they went to 10 games out. So the, the two games probably doesn't matter for the angels this year, but it could matter for a team like Chicago, the white Sox who are hanging around kind of, so if they can get hot, they, they could be in for, you know, uh, a Noah Syndergaard, a, a Matt Duffy or someone like that. So, yeah, interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll be, we'll be interested to see how this goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested, but we'll, we'll jump into we'll, – we'll do a like a seller show probably, I would assume, at some point. Uh, as bad as that sounds, assuming that the Angels like – Angels don't just rattle off 18 of the next 20 or something stupid. They could do something stupid though. I mean, like you said, like we said, they, they got Houston who Houston's absolutely just out player, out player development. Them, that's not correct. Uh, out, out scouted, outdone everything to the Angels. They've outplayed them. They've outplayed the Dodgers. Yeah. Look at the Dodgers. So um, we'll, we'll kind of see how that, how it looks going uh, down the road. The Angels, I guess, kind of get a little easier, but they really got to start winning if they think they're going to be, uh, buyers by any means so let's get on to what we were talking about last time first before we could do that blue wire blue wire blue wire blue wire blue wire um you can follow us on all of our social medias if you have not already uh check us out on twitter instagram and facebook uh, you can follow myself on jared underscore tim you can follow nate and Green 34 uh subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast subscribe on youtube what's up youtube Really do appreciate it, and uh, Nate, let's get let's let's get back to it. Um, we talked. If you haven't listened again to the uh, episode that came out on Thursday, the fifth of July, go or Tuesday, the fifth of July. I apologize. Um, go listen to that. That's uh, that's that's kind of where we we started. We talked about Artie Moreno and ownership. We talked about Paramanasian and uh, and the front office and what they could do. How scouting has just not really been it, um, and, and the Angels have really lacked from that side of things. And and now we get to the point where you know we we're not we're not putting as much blame on these on these guys because there is a lot more that goes into it um as former former coach as coach now um we understand that there's a lot more that goes on in the background than than what really meets the eye um scouting reports um off field you know anything you know like team morale things like that player development everything and just to remind everyone, we, we have placed 50% of the blame on Artie Marino right now and 30% on the front office. That's including Perry Manassian, uh, Jerry and Depoto. Former, and former yeah, James, yes. I, I was just going to say James former, yeah. all, all the way back to Jerry Depoto. And then going into um, scouting departments, draft any anyone and everyone who works in the front office, assistant GMs, um, all of that. So Tony LaRusa. Sure, sure. Uh, that's your favorite guy. So we're, we're at 80, we're at 80% with two guys to go. We're going to look at um, the coaching staff right now and, and kind of see, I think Jared and I are similar on the amount of blame. I think he wants to give a little less blame than I do, but I, I'm willing to go. I, I'm willing to go 10%. Oh, that's good. I was going to go 10% as well. So we're right on okay. there with that. Um, it's, it's interesting to me with, everything this is why we can't put i and i think we're in the same vote of why we're not putting as much blame on these guys is just because 
like players, first off, I don't think that the coaching staff has been put in the right situation um, by any means at all in the past since Jerry DePoto because of all the moves that have happened. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Second off, I don't think the coaching staff actually does anything. We've talked about this off the record before. Um, everybody can go and blame Matt Wise and, and Phil Nevin and, and Joe Madden and Sosha. And Sosha might be the last person, last coach that has actually ever done anything as a manager, to be honest. Um, Joe Madden had his fair share of um, say that he could he could say. And I think that was the problem with why this team wasn't created in the correct way, because I think Joe Madden wanted it made his way. I think Perry wanted it made his way and you kind of saw it split, you know, like Kurt Suzuki, who's a Kurt Kurt Suzuki is probably a Joe Madden guy where the bullpen, where the bullpen was more of a, um, more of a Perry thing. And then you got Anthony Rendon, which was an arty thing. So I just think that, there are too many cooks in the kitchen. Very, yes. There's too many things going on right now, and, and you can't blame the coaching staff because they haven't been around long enough. I, I look at it as a college college type of thing. You need four years to figure out um, what you're going to do, and I, I don't think they've anybody's really been given those four years lately um, to see what they can develop and see what, what can really be done. I think that a lot of these guys have been given one year. We saw Joe Madden get – Two years, I'm sure. Two and this, a half. Two and a half. I'm, I'm sure at this point, Perry brings in his guy. Um, if that fails, we see you know Perry get the boot, and then Perry's guy get the boot, and then it's an ever-going cycle. We've seen this before. It's going to continue to happen. Um, it's one of my least favorite things about the way Angels do business. Honestly, I think when the GM gets fired, the, the manager should get fired. The new GM should come in and make his own decision rather than coming in and, and hoping – that the GM is uh, meshes really well with the with the current manager, so I, I think that has been a big problem. But um, I, I I do think ten percent of the blame to the coaching staff is fair. Um, you you look at part of their job is to keep morale morale good. Mike Trout does not look happy. No, uh, you you that is literally the number one job right now to, to keep Mike Trout happy. Um, don't care about, I don't care about Shohei Otani as much. I do. I do. I want to keep him happy, but at the it's same really, time, Mike, Shohei Otani has got 25 people around him at all times. He has his interpreter. He's got his trainer. He's got this, he's got that. He's got a hundred, he's got 25 people around him at all times. He, he doesn't speak English. So it's very hard for, for you to, to really um, connect with him. Not to say that you can't connect with someone that you don't speak the same language as, but it, it just makes it a whole lot harder. Um, especially when Mike Trout's been there for, you know, we're, we're going on year 13 now, I believe. It's like the longest guy in the Angels org. Yeah. So you're, you're going on Mike Trout, who's been the face of the franchise for a very long time. Basically, since he was called up the second time, he's been the face of the franchise and he does not look happy. So that is on the coaching staff that needs to be handled. He cannot continue to look like he doesn't want to be there right now. And honestly, not to call Mike Trout out, but he hasn't played well lately. And I think part of it is he, he understands that he is in the same thing he has been in for the last eight years. It is the same crap of, oh, well, we're, we're kind of competing, but we're not competing. So we're not going to trade anyone at the deadline, but we're not going to trade for anyone at the deadline. We're just going to stand pat and hope that this team figures it out. 
And you look at the teams that have gotten better over these eight to 10 years. Those are the teams that are making deals at the deadline, getting prospects to get better. And the Angels don't really do that. So that is a problem. That is part of the reason why the Angels can't get better because they they sign guys to one-year deals, they let them walk, and they don't get anything out of return for them. So it is a big problem, upper management, uh, coaching staff-wise. Everyone really, really wants to blame Matt Wise. Everyone really wants to blame uh, Jeremy Reed. Everyone wants to blame, you name it, they're, they're trying to throw shade at every single guy. Joe Madden was getting his, his fair share of the blame. And I get it. I, I 100% get it. The philosophy comes from the top down. So the GM has his way of doing things. He tells his people, this is the way we are going to do things. And the coaching staff is supposed to continue with the way that that's supposed to go. Matt Wise, I think he was given far too much responsibility before he had really paid his dues. I don't think Matt Wise really truly understood what it was going to take to be a major league pitching coach. And you say pitching coaches don't do that much. I think pitching coaches do more than than some people think. We should never have a guy where our center fielder is picking him. That, that should never happen. That is 100%. That's a hundred percent. That's on the entire coaching staff. Like that's oh, if you yeah. not notice. Like you know how many times that I, I've sat in the dugout and picked a guy, looked over, and our entire staff also has picked the guy. Yeah. Like I, I know it's more of a college thing, but like it, it happened on a, a daily basis. Like fifty percent of the games, every other game it, we pick the guy. It you is know? on the. It is on the entire staff. I yeah. agree. But who's the guy who deals with him the most? Well, yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, the pitching coach. So, yes, it has to be. It has to be Matt Wise that you throw the blame on for that. There has been way too many times this year where we have guessed or um, pretty much assumed that angel pitchers are being picked. Yeah, and it's been Shohei Otani. It's been Reed Detmers. It's been um, Elvis Pagaro. It's been. You name it, every single guy, we have kind of been like, ooh, he might be getting picked because – but but whose problem is that? Like, yes, the pitchers really should know, um, you know, hey, maybe I'm getting picked here. What can I do to get better? But also that's on the, that's on the pitching coach and the coaching staff to be like, hey, uh, I know I'm seeing this, so how about we work on this? How about we, we take some time – and in your pen today, we work on this. Or how about we do this to try and change some things? Because right now, it looks like the definition of insanity. They are trying the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result from every single pitcher. And you are just continuing. And, and I totally get the Matt Wise blame. I totally do. But Matt Wise is not the reason the Angels don't develop well on the pitching staff. He is not the reason Reed Detmers hasn't pitched well. He's not the reason that Chase Silseth wasn't great. Or, or, you know, as, as time progressed, he's not the reason Jose Suarez can't throw strikes. But he is the reason that they can't get ahead of some of these teams and, and make sure that some of his pitchers are unpickable. He is in charge of making sure that these guys are, are getting ready at the right time and they're not late or they're not chasing or they're not rushing things like that. He needs to have these guys ready to go. And it feels like if you really want to get technical, it feels like there are some days these pitchers are not ready to go. Noah Syndergaard has had starts where he goes one inning. 
Uh, Shohei Otani has had starts where he can't get out of the first inning. That is preparation. Yes, they are big leaguers. Yes, they are grown men. Yes, they should take care of themselves. But Matt Wise is in charge of making sure that they stay on track. So I do place some of the blame on Matt Wise. I do think that this is Matt Wise's last year. I, I okay. agree with that. I, I do agree with that. And I would be very intrigued to know where the Angels would be with Mickey Calloway. I understand that that's... Don't bring that up. <laughs> you can't bring it up. I get it. I get it. But it would be very interesting to see because Mickey Calloway was a fantastic pitching coach. I get it. I understand there was a lot of background issues that went on there. We don't like to talk about it. Um, it would be interesting to see. Um, this is this reason right here that you just brought up that you put on Matt Wise 100% starts and ends with Matt Wise. Yes. But I also think that this is another reason why we put bl- so much blame on the front office as well. Um, I don't know. This is gonna this is gonna sound really weird. This is diving very very deep into it. I don't know if the Angels have sports psychologists. That would be very interesting to know. Um, I know that you're like. I don't know I how much that, that has degree. anything to do with it. I'm ready to go. You, you get what I'm saying? You get what I'm no, saying? I have though, that right? degree. Yeah, you give I, it to me, I, I'll go. <laughs> I, I know that a lot of very good teams, and I know a lot of bad teams also have sports psychologists as well. That, that's something that, like, let's keep in the back of our head. We can talk to some guys um, over the offseason. And, and, I know Rosenberg, we, I asked him about that off the record, and, and Rosenberg talked about how Tampa Bay had, had guys and, and things like that. It was, it was yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, he said. I think he said the Angels had a guy, a guy that he had talked to, but yeah. just one for an entire organization is not going to work. I know the San Francisco Giants have at least one per team. So makes sense. But, but keep going. You, you know what I'm saying? Like this is why we put so much blame on the front office. Um, why? How things are first off getting through video guys, um, second off getting through the pitching coach, and third off your center fielder. Oh, and, and I'm picking pitchers mm-hmm. like that's, this is when we're having a, a bit of an issue um, with it all. Like, like I said, there, there are way too many obstacles for those little things to be getting through. So yeah, yeah that's, this is, I, yes, yes is my answer to that. Like, be, like without going into too, um, too much of a detail. Yes. That, that is, that is, that is my exact answer. Um, I would like, you got another thing you want to yes, add? Yes, yes. Side note, side note on that. Opening night in Inland Empire. I'm sitting. We, I, I like to sit and watch, uh, watch guys throw bullpens. Um, maybe not. Was it opening night? Yes, it was. Um, Alejandro Hidalgo starting. I'm sitting here watching him, and like I said, he's probably he's probably from literally from me to the to the screen, maybe a little bit farther back, probably like five feet back. I'm sitting here watching him, and I'm like, he's doing something different. He's doing something different. He's this, 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 and I look behind and i see one of the one of the players picking him it was super super interesting and i was like oh that's that's really interesting so i kind of i'm like making eye contact with him like you know like like is he you you see this too and he's like yeah yeah yeah. so he goes over he actually goes over to the pitching coach and tells him the pitching coach stands there and is like oh yeah 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 i see that so i it's it's I don't know if it's a it's a it could very well like it could be very well be like a you know major league like you're in you're in professional baseball now like how are you tipping your pitches but you also look at some of the kids that are coming over from the islands and it's like no these guys aren't taught this thing these guys are taught to to do things a little bit different and you know minor league wise I think it's more the pitching coordinator not not as much the uh, pitching coach yeah. per team the pitching coordinator is in charge of everyone from 
you know, the big leagues all the way down to instruct. So that is really something that he, he should be looking at, but yeah, the pitching coach, yeah, the pitching coach could easily make a suggestion or something like that. Yeah. I saw, I saw it right off the bat. So I just thought it was very, very interesting to turn around when the players has him picked from behind. I'm like, that's interesting. That means you can see his elbow too. So not only can you pick him from the first base, dugout you can pick him from the third base dugout your third base coach can pick him your first base coach can pick him if you, you can see him from the first and th- third base side the guy um, at second base can probably pick him as well when when a guy gets on second base and oh like why can't the hitter pick him like yeah. if you're you're going to be one hitter in and and you know the first guy that strikes out a first guy that gets back to the dugout it's like well this and this and this yep. and this when his elbow bends he's throwing this when exactly. his elbow strikes like, he's throwing that got it as bad as that as bad as it sounds mr 3000 like that happens all the time like oh, yeah. you see like a little bit of this and it's like oh watch that now and then yeah. you know you start seeing little things like that so yeah <laughs> it's it's super interesting we're gonna end up making this into a part three like we're just gonna wow. keep breaking we're just gonna keep breaking this stuff down to be honest like i i i we're, whole we're, week we're of this. what i said a whole week of this it, it really is like it's super it's it's really really interesting like to dive deeper and deeper into all this stuff um do you want to? Do you have any coach you want to call out, or or, or should I continue? I, there's no coach. You don't need to call. Like, like I said, I would be very interested to see what it would have been, what it would be like right now if Mickey Calloway was here. Not saying that Mickey Calloway is the answer, but like, yes, Matt Wise was very much so thrown into this, and Matt Wise was very much so new to the coaching thing. A Matt Joe Madden type of guy, probably a Billy Epler guy that was like. That had impressed um, and had got himself a good resume. And he was very new to coaching. Um, and it, I think we were, a lot of people were surprised that Wise stuck around. Um, I, Jeremy Reed, as far as the coaching staff goes, That's, that was my done, next one. Has done fantastic. Like, like I said, I'm not like, I think that, again, Jeremy Reed has been with the organization long enough that he's made a name for himself. And it's like, I, I think that he's done some really good things like guys behind the scenes that, that aren't with the, with the team anymore. Sean Wooten um, was a really good hitting coach that a lot of people didn't know was still around with the team. Um, Donnie Aikman, Aikerman, I, I can't remember. I'm going to butcher his name. Went to the Reds, became the hitting coach. He's actually the uh, hitting coach now in the Giants. Weird um, that he's now the, the hitting coach there was with the angels for a long time. He got a lot of, he was an assistant hitting coach, got a lot of, uh, got a, a lot of good love there, but but yeah, the they're gonna completely redo this coaching staff in the off season. It wouldn't surprise me if nobody was around. Like Phil Nevin might stick. I, I don't around. see anyone sticking around. Honestly, I I really don't. No. Um, with Jeremy Reed, it, it comes down to there, there are just so many guys that have struggled coming to the big leagues, and like we talked about, it's not a hundred percent on on the big league coaches to make sure that they are successful, but. It is on the big league coach making sure that they are as prepared as possible. And I don't feel like when Stefanik comes, when Stefanik came up the other day, he was as prepared as possible. When Brandon Marsh made his major league debut, I did not feel like he was as prepared as possible. When a Joe Adele has made his debut and been up, he has not been prepared as possible. I think there are times where maybe the scouting report isn't right there because you look at it, the angels strike out a lot. And why do they strike it a lot? They chase a lot. They do chase. This goes, this goes back to the front office, though. Is they my chase thing. a lot. This goes back and to the front office. And I know we're not putting very much blame on the players, but you need to have better there. scouting reports. Like, we're in a day and age where, like, we complain about umpires, we complain about the strikes, and we complain about this, that, and another. 
and we have yet to complain about how far the angels are behind it's still behind like we talked about it for a long time that like oh the angels are behind and the angels are like the last person to do rap so the last person to do this last person to do that um launch angle blah 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 blah. they are they are farther behind now than they were when they were really far behind <laughs> like as, as far as that is Satan and, and it really shows and that's why i'm putting so much blame on the front office because we it was preached for the longest time we're going to go back to old school baseball. We're going to go back to old school baseball. I don't think at this point you can, you can beat new school baseball with old school baseball. I, I, I think, I, I, really no, I think you easily even... could have gone back to old school baseball, but you had to press the, the gas pedal and go all the way back. You can't play this 50, 50 game and say like, Oh, we're kind of going to be old school and kind of be new school. Like you had to be the team to get the guys who know how to steal bases, the guy who knows how to bunt, the guy who knows how to play defense, and the pitchers who know how to throw strikes. Okay. That is what you needed. You can't continue to run this this stupid thing of, oh, we're, we're going to bring out a bunch of guys who don't strike out, and, well, they don't really steal bases. and uh, They don't really play yeah. that yeah. good a defense. Like they, they just had way too many things of, like, old school teams, they played the game right. They played the game hard. They didn't strike out. And they ran the bases incredibly well. The Angels never really did any of those. Can you play old school baseball with a new school front office? I think so. I think you've seen some teams be able to do that. Um, You have to have the right personnel, of course. And I don't think the Angels have that personnel right now. But if you really, really wanted to, you could. It's just all about the guys on the field. You can't force... Like, if you have Josh Donaldson on the team, you can't force that guy to play old school baseball. He's not an old school guy. He's a new school guy. You force Josh Donaldson to go the other way. You force, he, yeah. he pulls the ball. Hey, yeah. yeah. So, so you have to have the right type of players, the guys that are going to do the little things right and that type of thing. And they don't really have that right now. So, yeah, they are really, really behind. Um, when it comes to Joe Madden, I, I don't want to place too much of the blame on him because, like we said, he, managers barely write the lineup card. They're, they're not doing as much. Um, but, but I do think that there are people around the manager, whether that's the first base coach, whether that's the third base coach, whether that's the infield coach, all of these guys need to come together and make the team better. And I, I don't think they're doing that. I think that there are guys that have been given coaching roles that have not really coached too much, or they're, they're given roles that they're really not made for. Uh, you mentioned Jeremy Reed's been been pretty good. He's had what I would say is he's had success with guys you weren't expecting to have success with, but he has not had success with the high talent profile guys that you need to have success with. If the Angels are going to be good from here on out, the top prospects have to be good. Joe Adele has to be able to perform. Brandon Marsh has to be able to perform. You cannot. Yes, Taylor Ward was a high profile prospect. At one time, at one time. And then people forgot that that guy existed. And now all of a sudden people are like, oh, he's part of our future plans. This guy's legit. Matt Dice, first round pick, nothing. Um, You continue to look at all these guys that have been high profile first round picks, second round picks, and you see what the Angels have done with them. And all we see from our perspective is swing change after swing change after swing change after swing change. And you look up and you're like, holy cow, Taylor Ward has had four different swings 
in five years. That goes, and that for me goes to the front office. 100%. It is. And, it is. And, and the preparation goes to the front office too. I mentioned this to you when, when Stefanik, when Stefanik came up, it was like, it was like this guy's playing the Astros. The Astros have a hell of a report on Stefanik. I think I might've mentioned in this last podcast too. No, we did. Stefanik has, they, they had, a, they had a very good report on Stefanik because Stefanik doesn't go in and strike out very often. He strikes out three times in his. In he his was also game. overmatched, but okay. Exactly. He, he, he was. Well, and that goes to the scouting department, having a good report on somebody. The, the Astros have absolutely outreported the angels. They've, outplayed them yes but they have outcoached them and they have been able to outdo everything because they have better reports like that's why i'm putting like i would i would so much as put like a 50 50 blame on Artie and the and in the front office and i not, think the most you can give is 40 and then 10 five and five for players and coaches but that's fine but i the, the coaching staff hasn't been great it hasn't been ideal i mean i am hasn't going been a complete to, coaching staff either so it hasn't you you can blame the first base coach for for Taylor Ward getting back picked the other night. Like there are things that this coaching staff has not performed well to, and yes, it, we don't want to place all the blame on this. But you can give ten percent of the blame to this coaching staff. It has not been very good. The coaching staff really hasn't been very good in a long time. Um, I personally think that it's been messed up since Brad Osmus. I am not a huge Brad Osmus fan. I will continue to sing that. Um, for as long as I possibly can, as loud as I possibly can. I think Brad Osmus does not, should not be a major league manager. He's fine bench coach, whatever. But I think this coaching staff has been in shambles for years and the angels really need a revamp. They need a new look guy who looks at the game differently. They need a guy like Mark DeRosa. They need a, they need a guy like that. We, we could continue this. Zoom's going to cut me off, unfortunately. I apologize. We could continue this for hours and hours. We'll continue to talk about this. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast here at Talking Halos, making us skin the best podcast out there. Um, follow us on all our social media. Subscribe wherever you're listening. Uh, you can follow myself, Jared underscore Tim's, Nate at NateGreen34. And guys, thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.